Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan, and this is a carefully crafted devotional journey through the New Testament. Let's venture into deeper water as we consider what it means to follow Jesus in the world we live in now. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End. In the last episode, we saw how Jesus began to bring the cross into the conversation and how the disciples were more content with something a little more blood-free than that. In this episode, we will learn that the cross is not just something for the immediate disciples to consider, but it will be a requirement for everybody. Let's pick up from where we left off last time. Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 38. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Between the last episode and now, we see the big idea of what Jesus is saying. Not only is there a cross on the horizon which I will embrace for the sake of the world, but I want you to embrace it too. Following Jesus, being an active disciple of Jesus, will require a willingness to lean into the suffering that he himself will endure. To engage with this passage deeply, there are words being used that really need to be understood well, and this will help inform a number of passages in the future too. Let's start with the word disciple. We read here that Jesus clearly had some already, and the 12 main ones have been identified and spoken about in previous episodes. But this passage also shows that there was plenty of space for more of them. It wasn't about the capacity of Jesus to accommodate them. He is God, so there is no question about that at all here. But it's more about the capacity of the would-be disciple to step into what Jesus is asking of them. The Greek word for disciple is methetes, and this better translates as a learner. Here in Australia, young drivers in training are able to do so on public roads, provided a tag with an L on it is in clear display on the car they are driving. In this way, they can do what other motorists are doing, but everyone around them is aware that they are under supervision and still finding their way. The first disciples were raised up a little bit like that. They were being trained to minister much the same way as Jesus did, to be able to teach like he did, to be able to do miracles like he did, to be able to lead like he did. But they had the great privilege of being able to do this under the direct supervision of Jesus himself. However, this arrangement didn't change even after Jesus ascended to heaven, thanks to the giving of the Holy Spirit. Disciples of Jesus will always have a posture of learning directly from Jesus. It is a lifelong journey that we can have through the Spirit. The first 12 were certainly leaning into this process. But Jesus is aware that a large crowd is seemingly following him too. However, the degree of following they are displaying is simply the being wherever Jesus is kind what we might call first-century groupies of Jesus. These are people attracted to his power and teaching, but still not sure how deep they are willing to go. Today, we might call this a nominal stance. However, this is seen by Jesus as just the beginning. With the closest disciples now on a clear path with Jesus towards the cross, 
the time has also come for the other would-be followers to consider doing the same. He is calling for all who would follow him into a way of both learning and suffering. This is something clearly deeper than what the crowd is currently doing. And this passage captures the challenge of Christ really well. You simply want to loosely associate yourself with me and enjoy the ride while it lasts. But I won't have that. This world is already adulterous in its devotion, and this loose and nominal religious expression you're currently displaying is only going to yield that sort of outcome. Instead, Jesus calls everybody to embrace an eternal mindset and deny themselves. That's the next big word to consider deeply, self-denial. In context, it means Jesus is calling us to somewhat sever ties with our earthly selves. Instead of pouring all of our energy into temporal things, the things we can enjoy in this life, including faith or religion when it suits us, Jesus calls us to focus on the eternal. In this passage, an eternal mindset includes taking up a cross also. Not necessarily one of our own, although that did happen to many in the first century, but at the very least, identifying with the one Christ would soon occupy. And with such a cross firmly in our grasp, Jesus says, follow. And that is our final big word for this episode. The Greek word used here cannot be translated to mean nominal association or observation from a distance. It is very much the opposite, more of a picture of companionship. Therefore, following Jesus was all about making him and his sufferings our committed and constant companion. That is not fair weather stuff. That is a lifelong decision being made here. And Jesus will not accept anything less than that out of genuine Christians. In fact, he goes as far as to say that a faith that is less than that puts us in an ominous place before Jesus. If we are ashamed of Jesus and this message, blood and all, we will be seen as double-minded and we will attract the same sentiment back from the Lord. So we have three strong words that challenge us in our attitude to Jesus and how we relate to him. Learn, deny, follow. Disciples are lifelong learners of Jesus in this life. The Holy Spirit lives in us and continues to supervise our ongoing learning process. This never stops. And the more we learn about Jesus, the more the things of this world become less appealing. In grace, we'll have strength to deny the unordained temporal things of life in favor of God's eternal best for us. And with all that strength and spiritual supervision in play, you'll be able to make the cross your companion also. Eternal things will eventually be so compelling that you'll endure the suffering that might come your way even now. And as we commit to such a way of life, Jesus promises it will be worth it. He is waiting with the Father, and when we present ourselves when life ends, Jesus will surely say, He is with me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once famously said, When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. In this passage, we find out that he was absolutely right. If we lean into this life and all it offers, Jesus explains that it comes at the expense of that which comes next. But whoever lays their life down for the gospel will find true life in all its forms. Real life now, eternal life to come. That is the promise of Jesus to those who truly follow him on his terms, not ours. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in touch, like our devotions in the Deep End Facebook page and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I look forward to catching up next time.